<clears throat> Take five. Tired of this shit, bro. <laughs> Me too. Me too. All right. Hold up. Why's this joint? I'm here. Oh, now you can hear me. Okay. I heard you do that. Excuse me. All right. You ready? I'm ready, sir. All right. Let's go in five, four, three, two, one. Albert Einstein said, Compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. But what if two homeboys told you that the better return is the way you change the world with it? You're back listening to Homeboys and Hedge Funds. I'm Marcos, a doctor of physical therapy, a.k.a. the health homeboy. And I'm Joe, master of finance, a.k.a. the wealth homeboy. Thank you, folks, for tuning in to episode number two. Uh, Hopefully we don't have any Teddy Riley type issues uh and we can finally get through this one recording uh and one take <laughs> i'll but take first, the blame <laughs> first we do want to give a major shout out it is memorial day so we want to give a special thanks to all the veterans the fallen heroes that have sacrificed their lives to protect the freedoms and liberties that we enjoy on this side thank you thank you we can't say it enough that is true all right, sir. So what you got going on this Memorial Day? Cold chilling, trying to report record a podcast and drinking brews. What about you, sir? I'm doing the same. Uh, it does seem like you're having more success drinking brews than recording podcasts at the moment. <laughs> so tell me what you're sipping on. I'm sipping on Oliver Brewing Company. Be more hazy. Got a double IPA here. A little hazy double IPA, 8%. What about you? I'm over here. I've actually switched to Hop Gun. Before I was on the Wednesdays, we wear pink. It was a local sour pink colored brew that the local brewmaster did for his wife because she's a fan of Mean Girls. But I've since moved on to another local brewery, uh, Funky Buddha. They've done a Hop Gun, little hoppy, IPSL. I love, I love Funky Buddha. Quality spot. Yeah, yeah. We are definitely frequent patrons of that establishment not so much lately because we all in isolation and quarantine but when everything opens back up i will be there once outside opens all right what we talk about today coast we talk about making purchases sir uh specifically black purchasing power that is the topic for today's episode getting right into it joe could you define what purchasing power is of course. So in this uh, context, we're talking about black purchasing power, and that is just our aggregate ability to move the markets with, you know, our consumer dollars. Uh, so the African-Americans here in the U.S. control about one point three trillion dollars annually in uh, purchasing that if you made it its own country, just the black landia, 
that would be top 10 in the world if you compare it to other full nations that um, buy and sell goods. So we have a very outsized ability to, you know, support or not support brands. It's a very important segment that, you know, U.S. companies concentrate on every year, whether that be honest advertising or some pandering. Uh, we see it every year, assault by commercial. Uh, but it's very important to, you know, the American consumer business. And we should be very aware of what we're supporting and what we aren't. Okay, 1.3 trillion. That seems like a huge amount. Do you think a lot of us were aware of that power? Because I definitely wasn't. 1.3 trillion is a huge number. Yeah, well, I'll say that, you know, it's hard to fathom what a trillion dollars actually is. So, um, no, I would say most people don't understand how much actual power we have over this um, capitalist society here. But, you know, we do see it. We do see targeted ads. We do see, you know, those surveys that go out to see, you know, what the black community wants and, you know, whole market shift towards, um, you know, sort of serving that specific need um so it's definitely something that we should be more aware of and more conscious of where we're putting our dollars uh, we saw a lot of the bank black and similar movements uh, a few years ago and you know if you're using that as a um, sort of lifelong goal to pay attention to the brands that you support that would make a huge difference going forward that is cool so it seems like from what you were saying that the advertisers have definitely picked up on the amount of power that we have with what we purchase and especially with the whole targeted ad thing that you were just discussing with that being said do you see any particular like shopping habits that we have as the black culture that is different from other demographics i wouldn't say different but i would say that uh you know we hear a lot of criticisms about folks who are standing in line for jordans or you know, we've seen various brands over the years cause these uh, these these periods of mass hysteria, whether they be the Averex jackets back in the day or Iceberg or Bathe and Ape or, you know, just go through the line that we've seen year after year. Um, but I wouldn't say that our purchasing habits are different. I would say that it can be very concentrated over what the new trends are. You know, we set the trends. So. Um, one of the things that we should pay attention to is like, you know, buying the J's or buying the new fancy car, those sorts of things. All of that is well and good. And you, if you have earned the money, you know, you can spend it on what you wish. Um, I just hope that folks are consciously budgeting and making a delineation between the needs and the wants and focusing on the needs first and then moving on to those wants. I like how you mentioned we set the trend. Uh, like I said, I grew up in the South. I didn't really get into Averick's like that, but FUBU was jumping back when I was in high school. Not that I was camping out for the jerseys and stuff. I was trying to borrow one from my older cousin back in the day because he had all the fresh ones. But, uh, you know, it's like Primetime said, you look good, you feel good, you know, but, you know, you just got to be really conscious of, uh, you know, how you're budgeting for that. Yep. As far as shopping, do we tend to be more in-store or more mobile shoppers? Uh, we do it all. And, you know, you, you're seeing how black entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs in general are having to adjust to this new world where stores just aren't open for, you know, the, the bulk of 2020 that we've been through so far. Um, so, you know, both occur. 
uh, black people are just as likely to be Amazon Prime members as anyone else, but also uh, they're really uh, bespoke products that are coming out that are tailored specifically for the black community. A lot of them are from black entrepreneurs and a lot of that business is, you know, e-commerce where you have someone working out of their house. It's, it started as a hobby. This is something I did for my own self-care. Now I'm providing it to the whole community. And so you'll see that, you know, there is plenty of support from the black community for online business as well. Do you think there are any barriers that exist to us taking advantage of that huge purchasing power number that you outlined in the beginning? Uh, sure. I mean, you know, one of the things that I talked about early was that these major companies are focusing on the black community and what they consume and trying to uh, tailor their product lines to that. But, you know, as we have more and more folks who are looking to become entrepreneurs and sell their own products, of course, you face the barriers of, tr of being able to get those loans to, you know, get your product launches um, off the ground. Um, you will find that some folks are sort of, some black folks are sort of hostile to black businesses for one reason or another, whether it be, you know, the lack of long-term trust in the name of whatever the company is, or if they're just expecting the hookup or something like that. Uh, but there are barriers, but people find ways to get past them. So what I'm seeing, uh, particularly amongst black women, is that there are a lot of folks out there who have sort of made it, quote unquote, who are willing to share that wisdom of how they were able to overcome some of those barriers that they see. And I would encourage anyone to just do the research and see if those resources are out there that can help them. That was good. I like that. You know, I think I think giving back, paying it forward, I should say, is is, is definitely huge. And to us bridging any sort of social economic educational gap that currently exists within our our population group. For sure. Um, and really it's the only way that we, you know, continue to grow together is if we're willing to, you know, share, not live in that scarcity mentality. There's enough for everyone to eat. Um, so if you have the knowledge and you've been able to, you know, successfully overcome some of those things, by all means share it with as many people as you can. Okay. How important do you think a movement such as buying black is to our group? You know, have you seen that it has been impactful? Do you think that there's opportunity improvement? You know, what has been what has been the impact of that movement? So I think that uh, one of the things that I've sort of noticed is that there are existing businesses that are already serving needs of the black community that folks just weren't aware of. So, you know, the buy black movement not only encouraged folks to, you know, seek out new ways to contribute to the black business community, but it also highlighted the fact that there are existing services that folks have been doing for quite a while that if we, the consumer knew about it sooner then we probably would have already been supporting it. Um, so it's been really cool to see, you know, people link, resources to folks who need them being essentially market makers um, linking up consumers would be consumers to businesses uh, but I also have you know I live here in PG County Maryland the DC area um, and it's sort of Wakanda here where you know soup to nuts pretty much everybody is black in this county so I've been able to see you know all of the ups and downs of the business community over my lifetime and to really just see 
people band together and us uh, be more intentional about helping each other in the business world has been refreshing. Okay. Shout out PG County uh, for making strides. Uh, that grassroots movement towards uh, this purchasing power takeover that we're describing today. Uh, with that being said, I just came up with another question. I wrote it down, but it's completely lost me right now. Uh, in the beginning, we talked about like some luxury brands. I know we talked about Jordans. We talked about Avericks. That's back in the day. Not really anybody's on Avericks anymore. Not, that, not to my knowledge. Hope uh, not. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not either. But do you see any like sectors that are kind of underrepresented from a black entrepreneurial standpoint, you know, whether it be fashion, whether it be beauty grooming products, whether it be grocery um, tech, you know, what where is there room for more growth in the entrepreneurial space for black people? Well, I wouldn't say beauty and grooming so much because, like I mentioned before, um, black women have been the superheroes for a long time as far as just, you know, pushing brand awareness for black businesses, helping each other. So, you know, one of the number one things that black women have struggled with since forever is finding beauty and grooming products that were tailored towards them for their skin tone, for their hair types, uh, those sorts of things. So we're seeing a lot of resources out there for that. Um, and to follow that, you know, we're seeing more black men step into that space and you see more black beard care and, you know, all these sorts of things, skin care. And that is spectacular um, to see, um, you know, shaving products like from Bevel as another, for instance. Uh, but where we still see underrepresentation is basically across the rest of the spectrum. So you mentioned tech and that is a huge one. Um, there is one company called Listener that's looking to use uh, sound technology to be able to do electronic payments rather than using um, NFC chips in your phones. They're using um, sound to process payments, which is just a very innovative um, technology that I never would have thought was possible, but you know, they are doing great work. And the founder's name escapes me at the moment. We'll put it in the show notes, um, but there are several people who are making strides, but there's just not enough. Um, we've, I've, you know, been CFO for a couple of startups. And when you go to California and you try to um, pitch your ideas in Silicon Valley, you'll have people tell you straight up, like the investors out there are just intimidated by a black face. And like, they won't even tell you no in a way that's constructive to you. They will just hear you out and then you never hear from them again. It's very hard to get funding out there. Um, and so it just compounds the issues that we have with not being able to get loans at banks in the ways that other demographics are able to, but also those incubators that are supposed to be for growing tech, they aren't supportive of the black community either. Um, so, you know, we just have to find other ways to be successful in that space. And so if you think about it across the board, I mean, we have innovative minds in the black community in all sectors, but we just don't have enough representation to really make the sort of noise that we're capable of. Um, so that's something that we should continue to encourage in our kids and our peers is that even though you don't see black faces now, you can be that doorway for the rest of your peers and people to follow. Deep. I like it. So with that being said, you said you've served as CFO for a couple startups. There has been this perception of a lot of these investors that are intimidated by 
you know, the black face. What advice would you give to somebody that is on that entrepreneurial journey that has that sort of idea pitch on the horizon going into that meeting? uh, What advice would you give to them? Uh, I would say just don't put all of your eggs in one basket. There are several sources and resources out there to get your business off the ground that it's not just in Silicon Valley. I think there's been too much of a concentration of intellectual property and just basic businesses starting out there where um, here locally, for instance, uh, the University of Maryland has the Dingman Center, which allows folks to pitch their ideas there. And they do fund, um, I think, at least one company per semester. Uh, But the Dingman Center is just one of many incubators that you can access that won't have the same biases that you'll find in a very homogenous um, environment like you have in Silicon Valley. So if you just seek out other resources, maybe contact a local bank rather than a national bank or international bank, some of those things might be areas that you can try to attack to get past the barriers that other folks have um, come into. Going back to what you said about the gentleman that was starting a payment platform through what, what was it again? You said something about sound that it, yeah, it, was, it was so amazingly out of the box that it just went over my head. <laughs> so <I'm laughs> Please go back to that for just a moment for my own sake. <laughs> okay. So I looked him up. His name is Rodney Williams uh, and listener is spelled L I S N R. Um, so he is just using ultrasonic technology to allow for payments and um, to try to um, activate solutions like, you know, sort of like the the dash button that you have where you can get it from Amazon and you just hit the button and it orders it for you. This technology is looking to have your fridge tell your phone that you're low on some product and it'll automatically order it for you. Like just really crazy technology that you're thinking about. Um, and in this, you know, situation where we're dealing with the coronavirus and people are talking about solutions that will lead to more contactless payments, which is very anti-poor, I'm against it, but um, no cash, no contact. Um, this solution is supposed to be able to allow like your vehicle to serve as your credit card because it sends sound waves into the restaurant or wherever you're ordering from and processes a payment. It's just, it's amazing. And, you know, the, the company makes no bones about the fact that the CEO and the founder is a black man who looks like me and you coast and is doing great things. Um, so people just need to be aware, be on the lookout for some of these things that are going on around us, these solutions that we can help support in some way, um, just if we know about it. And it takes some effort on our, on our part to find that information because the media obviously doesn't cover it as well as they will some others. So right now, if your fridge was going to talk to you about what you were out of and send that message to the phone so you can go out and get it, what do you think that would be right now, Joe? Well, you know, I've been on a, a Cajun food kick for a little bit now. So, you know, some of those ingredients that I need for that need to be fresh. And that means I have to go to the grocery store every time. So things like seafood, if I'm going to put shrimp or crab in there, um, I usually keep all my seasonings around, but making sure I have chicken broth on deck, you know, those sorts of things. And then 
I'm finishing off this six pack. So beer for sure. This is my last year, like heavy drinking. So, you know, if I could have a, a, a cool brew or two just delivered to my doorstep, I would be a okay with that. That sounds good. That sounds real good. Send me some of that Cajun. You got some etouffee brewing right this this afternoon? Like what you got over there? Uh, not this afternoon. I told you I'm relaxing today, so none of that. But for sure soon. Uh, actually, a crab bisque is the next on the menu. Cool. But... Send out that e-bite so I could be there. <laughs> when I will definitely travel for the crab bisque. Uh, <laughs> speaking of travel, uh, listening to that story about the gentleman you just named uh, brought to my mind uh, another interesting talk I had from another entrepreneur and I think this just kind of really highlights the whole the best inspiration is like desperation or something like that that quote mm-hmm. is definitely like leading me right now mm-hmm. so this gentleman started a, a black travel uh like home it's sort of like the the Airbnb for black travelers it's called Noir BNB I listened to a TED talk he gave at like a local TEDx event and he was talking about how him and a bunch of his friends rented a home somewhere in Georgia. It probably was like right outside Atlanta for like a vacation, like getaway. And the neighbors called the police because they thought they were robbing the place. He took a photo of it, you know, with the the police officers that came out to investigate the whole thing. It was a huge viral movement. And he was like, you know what? There's got to be a better way for black people to travel without facing that discrimination. Uh, so he created Noir B&B. It's a new lodging site for just travels of color. His name is Stephen Grant. Uh, I thought that was fascinating. But it's like you said, you know, you, you face these meetings where you go to pitch an idea to get investors uh, to get money from people who don't necessarily have the same skin tone as you. And there's a perception uh, that they may be intimidated, you know, or they may underestimate and that could lead to them not providing you the resources. So not only is it important for us to kind of pay it forward, give those resources back to people that look like us, but also to just know that that is not, that shut door is not an excuse for us to turn around. Just All right. God's delays are not his denials, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, we unfortunately face this sort of discrimination all over the place, even internationally. I think that surprises a lot of folks when they do um, get out of their comfort zone and travel that, you know, it's very likely that you'll go overseas and face some of this stuff, too, um, either because these uh, foreign places don't see a lot of black people and they're mesmerized by your presence um, or they have their own negative experiences um, that would lead them to treat you a certain way. Um, but like you said, that's never a reason to just completely shut down and shut things off. Like if you're acting according to your purpose, you have to find a way to make it work um, because you can, people can take away um, your privilege for a day, but you can't allow them to steal your passion. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that is one very good example of a way that someone found a solution, not just for themselves, but for everyone that looked like them to, you know, make it and have fun and enjoy the finer things in life that everyone should have the privilege of doing. And so I encourage others to do that too. If you see an idea, you don't even necessarily have to be the one to create it, but if you have an idea, just put it out there so that someone else can pick it up and try to execute. I I agree with that. Uh, I got another 
kind of like question coming out of this whole COVID-19 pandemic that has impacted a lot of people culturally, socially, financially, what is going to be huge for us coming out of this to sort of take advantage of or spearhead this black purchasing power like movement? You know, we've been so isolated from the ability to acquire just because the things have been shut down. Um, you know, what tips would you give to somebody coming out of this that, you know, was maybe a little bit more fortunate to not have that huge economic hit during this time? So this would actually lead me to the budgeting discussion that I have with anyone who comes to me with financial questions. Um, the key to surviving what we've experienced here, which is, you know, is groundbreaking. We haven't seen it in our lifetimes. If you weren't 100% prepared, like, that's not really your fault. This is something different. No one expected the world to shut down the, for multiple months. The world wasn't prepared. So. <laughs> right. right. So, uh, but the key, though, is when you're creating a budget, you need to do two things off the bat. First thing is you need to concentrate on your emergency fund. The second thing is you need to write down your goals. So the emergency fund, um, any good financial advisor is going to tell you, you need three to six months of your expenses saved for a rainy day or a rainy couple months that we've experienced. Um, and that means that, you know, if you're a single income household, then you're going to try to save six months of expenses. If you're dual earner household, then three months. And that really provides that cushion, not just for uh, a black swan event like this one where the whole world shuts down. But if you happen to lose a job or if you get injured, you can't work for an extended period. Or uh, if you get sick, if you have to take care of a, a parent or other family member, um, this that fund allows you to survive that period and get back on your feet before you're really hurting. The second thing is you need to write down your goals that's short, medium and long term goals, because if you're putting a budget together and you don't have specific goals that you can check off the box, then you're going to become overwhelmed by whatever budget you come up with. Uh, the short term goals can be examples like I just want to buy a new set of headphones or I want this new dress uh, that can be on your short short term goals list. Intermediate term may be if you have some outstanding credit card bills or something like that that you know that you could achieve in the next year, um, paying those down, then you'll throw that on there. And then if you have bigger and loftier goals, like uh, buying a house, buying a rental property, buying a new car, those sorts of things, uh, you know, you write that down as well. And as you're starting to build your budget, what you're putting away after you pay all your bills helps you to understand like where you stand as far as achieving those goals then you can make decisions that are less pressure. Do I go ahead and pay off this credit card bill because I have the money saved because I had the goal or not? Um, you know, you're able to make informed decisions with the money in hand. Um, and if you come into a crisis, those funds that you had available to achieve one of those goals, maybe you're using it just to find toilet paper because that's what happened this year. So that's the advice I would give. That was good. No, I think that advice will definitely come in handy. Knowing you, sir, I know you budgeted uh, for Black Swan events like this, so I know you got a little budget for the Jordans, the Jordan line that you mentioned in the beginning of this episode. So what, Jay, are you after? 
once you're allowed to go purchase it that you budgeted for? <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to chill. 2020 is a hot year for releases, but I got my infrared sixes last year. I got my DMPs this year. I think I'm good for a while. I'm going to try to chill. Let my daughter take this extra funds from my pocket into her 529 or something like that. I think I'm going to relax a little bit, but I know that you have some more your list, young Marcos. You know what? You would think so, because back from our time at the U, I did indulge in a couple of retros here and there. I'm a fan of the threes and the ones and the fours, uh, but I've actually chilled a little bit myself. You know, we're not in college anymore to where we can wear these kicks swap them out every other day based on where we're at you know with our jobs and stuff like that so i'm only buying shoes i either work out in work in or just kind of wear casually and i'm only in between like ones and threes for that so i really don't have anything on the horizon per se i think they're going to release a cool gray three again but i think that's happening next year um so for me i'll definitely be on that i did buy the unc threes that came out recently my wife went Fire. Yeah, my wife went to UNC, so I kind of married into that fandom, uh, and I had to get those. So that was just that was. I'm wearing a UNC shirt right now. Let her know that when we get on. That later. is that was for the bit that purchase for the benefit of a relationship. Number one. There you go. <laughs> Got to invest. <laughs> Got to. Uh, really quick. Okay. Any any new brands? Any new entrepreneurs out there that you're excited about that you've read about recently, other than? Uh, the first gentleman you were talking about. So yeah, I definitely have Randy Williams. He's been on my radar for a long time. Um, also, there is a brand, and really this is a sort of a, a, a distributor of sorts. Uh, it's called Black and Green, uh, B-L-K-G-R-N.com. And so, you know, the main focus of this company is to bring all of the black entrepreneurs, black artisans into one place that you can shop for uh, beauty, skincare, grocery, um, all sorts of things. So it's geared more towards women, but it's good for everyone. There's plenty of stuff there for men as well. Um, but I met the founder uh, when I was CFO of one of these companies I talked about earlier. Um, and she actually faced a harrowing experience uh, with a car accident that um had her in a coma for a while, but all throughout, you know, she had a team that was very committed to, um, you know, the brand and keeping things moving and they're, you know, they're moving on strong. So Dr. Christian is the CEO, black and green is the, uh, brand and the aggregator. And I'm very excited about that. And, you know, just being in the DC area, there's all kinds of opportunities to invest in, um, black companies here. So, I'm just, my wife and I are very committed to just finding um, as many entrepreneurs as we can uh, that we can support, you know, within our means uh, just to keep the movement going. What about you, Marcos? You know, I'm trying to find this right now, but it was in one of my Instagram ads. It was a young uh, black male that started an audiobook company that was kind of similar to Audible. But, <clears throat> excuse me, it was all about, like, cataloging famous, I don't want to say only famous, but just literature, nonfiction and fiction uh, from African-American writers that it was going to be a subscription-based service to allow people to kind of get introduced to the culture from a literary perspective 
um, and like a one-stop shop. I've been trying to find this thing for like the last 10 minutes. Uh, I'm probably going to go through my Instagram ads to kind of see because I know I clicked on it. Uh, but I'm definitely interested in that. This is something we can link in to the show notes uh, when this is all over. I think there are a couple of entrepreneurs locally that have started, you know, some clothing brands. One of them is Goose and Gander. Uh, I've connected with her a couple of times with just some local trade shows. I think she's doing a lot of positive things for the community. She does a lot of outreach to kids. She goes and speaks at middle school. She speaks at high schools about what that entrepreneurial journey is like and how, you know, you, you have to kind of like step out and take chances and believe in yourself because, you know, at the end of the day, you may be your biggest supporter. Uh, so she's a really powerful person. I'm going to get her name also. Internet, uh, my sure. internet connection is on that Teddy Riley right now. <laughs> Just blame it on the you rain want, like Nelly did. Blame it on the rain. What is going on with these verses? <laughs> These versus battles. I don't know, man. The Jamaicans got it together, they though. They did. They did. They did. I mean, the cop showed up, but, you know, the Jamaicans got it together. <laughs> uh, I'm on the website right now. I still can't find this, this woman's name. Uh, I have. I All have right, Marcus, I got a, a question for her, you before we close. Two of her shirts, though. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ask away, sir. I mean, go ahead and send one of those shirts up here. I mean, why you got them. But. Don't want to monopolize the time with all financial questions. Marcos, like as it as we ascend in our professional lives and gain more money, more disposable income, what are some of the things that people can invest in health-wise, uh, particularly in a time like this where we're all sort of shut in, don't have access to the gyms that will, you know, help us to maintain physically as well? I think one of the things that I feel like we could do a better job of, I don't want to say we do, but not that we're doing like a bad job, but I think everybody should be familiar with their family history when it comes to like health conditions. Cause that way you could stay kind of like on the forefront of what's going on. So I would say, know your history. You know, I think legacy is very important. Uh, your wife is, is, is very involved with like estate planning, you know, protecting legacy, uh, and making sure like the future generations are taken care of. But at mm-hmm. the same time, we want to be there as much as we can for the next generations. And I think, number one, you got to take care of your health. So I think that's going to the doctor regularly, knowing what your history is, you know, being an advocate for your health, you know, whether you have a history of diabetes, whether you have a history of heart disease, history of cancer, uh, high cholesterol, just kind of knowing what your history is uh, and having that conversation with your doctor as far as, you know, what can be done from a lifestyle modification standpoint uh, to stay healthy. You know, there is some disparities like there are economically uh, also in the healthcare sector, you know, when it comes to like African-Americans too. And I think that's a topic for another podcast episode Uh, definitely another podcast episode but number one i would say know your history and i say number two be the best advocate you can be for your own health i had a situation recently to where uh, my stepdad went for a checkup and he had some blood work done and he came back pre-diabetic so the doc the doctor wanted to push put him on medication i think that's one thing i think when Physicians, I don't want to say all of them because it's a very blanket statement, but I feel like traditionally 
you know, there's a more of a push for a pharmacological intervention for African-Americans than for like a lifestyle, mm-hmm. for like a lifestyle modification. But right. he went in there, got his blood work results, ended up coming pre-diabetic. My mom called me and was like, hey, this is what the results were. But he wasn't fasted when he had his blood drawn. I was like, oh, that, that mm-hmm. definitely throw off the results. Like he, he needs to have that repeated. Um, so I told him, I was like, listen, like, don't just jump to taking this advice and taking medication. Like, tell them that you weren't fasted before you had this blood work done and just have it repeated. You right. know, that could definitely throw off the right. results. So that's, that's mm-hmm. one example to where if you don't speak up, advocate for yourself, you know, you're going to end up down like a medical management journey that may not be ideal for you. Uh, so and I, I would hate to see that happen to, to, to anyone. You know, but I think especially, like I said, there's this documented historical disparities uh, with African-Americans like healthcare. So I say know your, hist- know yeah. your history, advocate uh, for your health. But there will definitely be more future episodes on Horizon so we can dive in deeper to that topic. But we've had a lot for of great sure. discussions about health, excuse me, about wealth. Health is wealth. You know, you want to accumulate this, of course, to pass it down for the next generation. But you also want to be there for mm-hmm. them, too. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up the healthcare disparities. Uh, definitely want to do an episode specifically on that. Uh, but I'm glad that you were there to be able to answer that question because so often we don't have that person in the fam- family that we can go to to ask either the medical questions or the financial questions. And that ends up being a detriment to everyone. So we will definitely revisit that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think another piece of advice I'll give too is that, you know, find a healthcare provider that you're, you're comfortable with. You know, just like how you face these situations in the investment entrepreneurial world, entrepreneurial world, excuse me, where you in, encounter people who don't look like you. So they may not understand your background. They may not understand your passion. They may not be able to connect with that. You know, the same thing can be true in healthcare as well. You know, if you're meeting with a physician who mm-hmm. doesn't understand your history of risk and like, you know, why your lifestyle is the way it is from like a cultural perspective, you know, you're going to, you're going to butt heads. I think when it comes to time for discussing what is the most appropriate, like medical treatment too. So I would say find a physician, a practice you're comfortable with. There are so many talented people of color, like in medicine. Uh, and I know they are paying it forward, just like a lot of people in the investment entrepreneurial world as well. Yeah. Good. Well, my beer is almost done. Any closing remarks, Coase? None. You know, it's time for me to fill up myself. I think it's because I had this little short, like, little six-ounce taster glass. I don't know why I didn't get a full pint. About to go, Rookie. About to go black purchase power that. Get some bigger, big, get, some, <laughs> get some bigger glasses in here. <laughs> uh, but no, thank you all for tuning in. Like I said, special shout-out to the veterans, those that are still uh, committing their life to service. Uh, in multiple branches. We definitely appreciate the time and effort to protect the liberties we enjoy. Mr. Morgan, it's always a pleasure, sir. For sure. Till we meet again. This is Homeboys and Age Funds. Signing off. (laughs) We out.